This is the Herbalist Without Borders Herbal Action Podcast, connecting you to our community herbalists and health justice activists. HWB is a nonprofit devoted to providing compassionate, holistic care to communities in need. We believe that health care is a right, not a privilege. I'm Denise Cusack, Executive Director of Herbalist Without Borders. Today, we welcome Gigi Staffney, previous Executive Director of Herbalist Without Borders and current Chapter Coordinator. She's been a practitioner of natural and botanical medicine for over 33 years and overcame barriers to pioneer natural medicine clinics. Under Herbalist Without Borders, she continues to offer free people's clinics and conduct trauma trainings. She is founder and director of the Green Wisdom School of Natural and Botanical Medicine. Welcome, Gigi, and thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you, Denise, and Herbalists Without Borders. I'm very pleased to be able to share some of the information, insights, and ideas with all of you about free people's clinics. Yes, it's such an important topic. So um, to start with, maybe just tell us about free people's clinics with Herbalists Without Borders. Most definitely. When I began the organizing and hosting, volunteering for free people's clinics, there really wasn't that much information out there, although there was a bit about uh, street medics, the early street medics from the late 1960s and early 1970s and the barefoot doctors. So that, you know, that was kind of the basis of how I began uh, in around 1995 with free clinics. But then if we move forward into about the year 2006, that's when I began to really work on this whole idea and concept and delivery system of free people's clinics for herbalists without borders, which is really an umbrella term when I say free people's clinics, because it can encompass an herb bus, street medics, rural access clinics, pop-up clinics, bricks and mortar, free people's clinics that may or may not be connected with a healing center or a CAM, complementary alternative medicine clinic, all the way to, um, you know, pop-up clinics, which are really like tents in natural disaster zones and other areas where people are really in need. So free people's clinics is quite a, quite an umbrella term, as I said. And so when someone asks, in our network, you know, how do I do a people's clinic? There's very much to it. It's very um, specific to the needs, to the community, the country, and um, the people organizing the clinic, and of course, the people who are going to be served. Yes, definitely. Um, so when you're evaluating and you're assessing um, the needs, what do you feel is the difference in needs between um, urban free clinics and rural outreach clinics? That's an important question, Denise. And I usually would say, and still do say, when I get calls or emails about how to set up a clinic, Gigi, uh, what I often say in the initial part of that conversation is, take some type, take time to engage deeply within your community, whether that be rural or urban, you know, whether it's in Europe or this is in San Diego, California, you know, or in Northern Wisconsin in some um, rural area and conduct a needs assessment. 
it does not that when I say that, that does not need to be, you know, this formal sociological or epidemiological needs assessment, although it can integrate that information. You know, if you have access to that kind of public health info, um, it's always a good idea. But what it means is really getting out into neighborhoods, going to township meetings, um, connecting with a lot of people who are already on the front lines of care, you know, and that could be anyone from a caseworker or social worker that you have a good connection and relationship with, you know, all the way to um, key tribal members on a reservation. So getting into the actual communities or being a part of those communities to find out what's going on. You know, we always really want to avoid being outsiders who come in to a specific geographic or cultural region imposing um, what we think people need upon them. It's really about asking questions. First, why are we doing this? You know, and second, what do you need? What, you know, what are we needing in this community? And then, you know, we move on to looking at um, what are the community resources? Who are the community resource people? You know, what are the most sensitive, deliberate, and compassionate ways and ethical ways to serve people, health, and wellness? Yeah, that's a wonderful answer. Um, so many questions that we get are about um, taking those needs and applying them to supplies. So how do you determine what supplies you may need before each clinic? Do you have a general variety or change with the season or no? How do you know what different communities need? That's another really important question that at first I just want to say it's always important in a core volunteer organizing team of herbalists, healers, healthcare practitioners to have some folks that are very experienced at looking at what the needs of people are and doing that work. I mean, we want volunteers who are very new to this, all the way to people who are experienced. Um, with some experience can come a sense of what you just mentioned, Denise. You know, this is a, perhaps it is a normative, um, seasonal or quarterly free people's clinic that you're conducting. In that case, you would want to lay out and take a look at or forecast what are the summer health issues? Right now we're recording in the summer. What are the summer health issues that may be presented? You know, are there going to be physical, more sports injuries? For example, in the upper Midwest right now with uh, many people outside, Lyme disease and co-infections, you know, it's very predictable that that is a health issue that we would see. But it really varies, for example, um, in May of this year, several of the clinics that we did in the Lake Superior region related to a disaster. You know, it was an on-the-spot on disaster zone. The Husky refinery exploded. And so it was very targeted looking at, you know, what are, what, what are the ailments going to be? What do we predict uh, will be the needs of the people? And they were, you know, immediate care, of course, finding temporary places to live. So that isn't our job. But it's important for us to know what those linkage resources are. Next, we're looking at eye irritation, respiratory distress, blood and lymphatic system um, detoxification. So you get the idea. You know, what we look at what will be the needs related to the disaster or the normative 
healthcare issues that are going to surface. That takes some um, thinking, you know, thinking ahead, doing a bit of forecasting, then gathering together what resources you have as herbalists, herb schools, um, linking up with Herbalists Without Borders as members so that you'd better be able to access um, extra botanical products that might fit with the needs if you haven't prepared ahead of time and don't have those at hand in your stock or your totes or your herb apothecary in your Herbalists Without Borders chapter. Yeah, and that's a good point because we do work to have supplies not only for disasters, to help people get started um, in response to some catastrophic event, hurricane or flood or an explosion or forest fires. But we also try to support clinics right as they're starting because you know the first few clinics, you don't know what you need yet and you may not have local community to really be engaged in donating or involved. And so um, Herbalist Without Borders is here um, to help members who are starting free clinics by getting some of those supplies to them up front for their very first, you know, get them rolling as they go. Or to help, like you said, you know, if there's a disaster, you need to be able to respond quickly and we can help with that. Um, so do you have any tips for those looking to start a free people's clinic in their community? Um, you've had so much experience with this. I'm sure everyone would like to <laughs> know what your tips are. Uh, Yes, definitely. There are many formal tips that I have, and then there's all of the uh, the inside, you know, insights and information that you know you will not sometimes find online or in packets or e-guides. But some of the most important um, steps initially, well, were become a member of Herbalists Without Borders. You know, act, access people like Denise, me, Amy, you know, folk, Nicole in Austin, Texas. Uh, Cynthia in Minneapolis, people who um, are part of the network whom have experience. You know, we're here, you can lean in on us. There is the upcoming webinar through Herbalists Without Borders. There is the How to Create a People's Clinic e-guide that has gone through many editions and evolutions. So there's a lot of formal information that I know the Herbalists Without Borders network has. But on some insights, ideas, tip just initially is really think through, again, that needs assessment, whether it's a little more formal or informal, and ask that question, why are we doing this? Um, I've noticed that initially there can be quite a bit of enthusiasm and interest in creating a people's clinic, but once folks in a community begin volunteering and start organizing, there might be a number of obstacles and barriers and people can get really frustrated. So, you know, look before you leap is basically what I'm saying. You know, make sure that this, that a people's clinic is the right fit for your community. You might want to start out with something like a health and wellness day or a fair, you know, or some lighter event that could later move into or evolve into a people's clinic. So you don't have, my first tip would be try something a little bit lighter or even a year of events like that. Establish a presence in the community as your herbal as an Herbalist Without Borders chapter. So ease into it and always ask, why are we doing this? Again, rather than imposing upon people. Then the not one of the most, the next most important steps is finding people who are really passionate about providing care, enthusiastic people who really wanna cooperate um, with one another and joyfully dive into 
um, starting to set up a clinic. Then it's uh, a people's clinic. Then you're going to need to take a look at the model, as I said in the beginning, free people's clinics or sliding scale clinics under that big umbrella. What is it going to be? A pop-up tent at a community event? Um, or is this going to be a dovetailed clinic offered monthly in an existing bricks and mortar healing clinic? So where, where are we going to have it? Um, and then then you can really tap into Herbalist Without Borders tools and start moving forth with all of the steps that you need to take. Yes, and, and that's just, it's, that's even just a start. If there's so many um, steps, which is why Herbalist Without Borders is here. Um, one of the things that you did too, that I would like to make sure we talk about is that, um, you are one of the first people to start bringing in alternative modalities. And we are called Herbalists Without Borders, and people think that means we're only clinics with herbalists. But what it really is, is about alternative modalities working together, such as massage therapists and even nutritionists or um, naturopathic doctors and herbalists all working together. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you to that and how that works for you? Yes. Yeah. So that really began initially because of my first CAM or complimentary alternative medicine clinic. We were conducting free clinics there. It was about an hour away from Minneapolis, St. Paul, where my clinic was located. We served quite a number of people and there was always there were always six to twelve different staff or and or contract practitioners who were part of my clinic. And there was such enthusiasm with our team. It seemed only natural to have reflexology, massage therapy, a mental health therapist who, you know, had had skills in Tai Chi and meditation and that hypnosis, that sort of thing, um, herbalist, naturopathic doctor on board. It only made sense. It felt like, you know, all the fingers fitting into the glove and a perfect fit and a hand to be hands to be able to deliver more comprehensive care to people. So I'm glad you're mentioning that point, Denise. And then how does that look now? Well, we always make sure even though the name of the, the organization is Herbalist Without Borders, that people know you may be the owner operator of an herbal CSA, or, or excuse me, an agricultural CSA. You could be involved in a free people's clinic. You know, you could have some of your produce as a giveaway at a stand outside that clinic or inside the clinic that day, all the way to um, integrative medicine doctors who've said, you know, and that, that's the case with some, a student of mine recently, she said, you know, I, I'd like to become more involved in your chapter and help out at these clinics. You know, I have my day job as a medical physician, a family practitioner, but I want to give in this other way. So, you know, there are people who have gifts across the board and, all of us can come together and work at clinics I, together side by side. Um, I feel this kind of case, manage, case management on the spot can, in a free clinic, can really be useful too, because increasingly, you know, what I've seen over the three, three decades of care is that people are on multiple, multiple pharmaceuticals when they walk into a clinic. And it's really imperative to have at least one well-trained clinical herbalist who is experienced in Materia Medica on site or an RN who is also an herbalist 
or even a doctor or pharmacist, you know, who's really compatible with your working group. Not necessary, you know, if you're doing a wellness day or something like that, but if you are engaged in deeper work, um, those can be really beneficial people to have side by side or a naturopathic doctor. Yeah. Yeah, that's so inspiring, I think, for people to hear because, um, you know, combining different alternative health modalities really is such a good fit for working in all communities, I think. So, Another what point, do you, oh, go ahead. Another point along those lines is sometimes, sometimes free clinics can be a little pokey with a slow, steady stream of people coming in, and it's possible to offer a one-on-one -on -one appointment for an hour. Typically, in really busy clinics, it's more like 20 to 30 minutes. You know, all of us know on average an herbalist or natural medicine practitioner is going to log in, you know, at about an hour and a half in an appointment with the person. But that's a little bit different in these free clinics when they're busy and they are busy sometimes. Not sometimes, often they're busy, especially once you establish a clinic presence. And what will happen is, what we don't want to have happen is a big line outside the door or the tent, um, people hanging out in a waiting room too long. So it's delightful to have a diverse team working together. Perhaps there's a person with a chair massage set up station. And if people are waiting, you know, they can circulate among the practitioners. So, um, you know, there isn't impatience, there's compassionate care happening, happening instead. Additionally, that kind of orchestration of many modalities really helps people be exposed to what we offer in natural medicine. Good point, exactly. So what do you hope people will take back to their own communities after hearing about your work and about free people's clinics? My greatest hope is that you will feel a little spark of inspiration listeners and that even if you don't feel like we're going to build a bricks and mortar free clinic um, project which some of the herbalists without borders chapters have done after you know really working hard for three to five years in their community but start somewhere simply start somewhere you know it could be serving tea that a tea blend that doesn't have a lot of contraindications you know for the public at a tent set up and perhaps you know like some chair massage and just an exposure of you know here are here are the workers here are the herbalists in your community just start somewhere and if a few of you can be committed to this in a community increasingly there are you know catastrophic and natural disasters and violent episodes outbreaks conflicts in communities neighborhoods countries if you can really be the medicine people that you are and plan ahead, be looking at what is happening with earth changes and with community changes and cultural upheaval and forecast what might we need to do, what might, what might you be called to do and act upon. So get ready. That is all wonderful advice and um... I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. So everyone, um, this is Gigi Staffney again. 
of the Green Wisdom School of Natural and Botanical Medicine, and we'd like to thank her for taking the time to speak with us today. To find out more about Gigi and Green Wisdom, her classes and programs, visit greenwisdom.weebly.com. You can find out more about Gigi and her school on our blog and find out more about Herbalists Without Borders as well. So thank you so much, Gigi. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Have a great day, everyone in Herbalists Without Borders. <laughs>